Imagine. How many of you like, I'm so scared. People randomly trying to airdrop me stuff just down in public and I'm like, I accept this. I'd accept it just to find out. <laughs> no. <laughs> don't mind a dick pic in the afternoon. Uh, I don't want that. I Apparently people- ever used it, airdrop. I think you say dick pic. <laughs> And welcome to Maker and Creator, the podcast about creativity and culture and how it affects us. My name is Jai Smith and I am joined, as always, by Alex Adams. Hi, Jai. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. This is our second podcast for the week. I know. Sometimes we double up because we have other busy weeks and then we want to make sure we're still releasing one podcast mm. a week. So, The last episode, which will be last week for everyone else, I think is going to be one of my favorites with the girls from 600 Bottles of Wine. Yeah. They were just such fun girls. I really yeah. want to hang out with them. Yeah. Um, I think so we mean from friends. If you're listening to this podcast, make sure you go and listen to that podcast because that's also really cool. Um, so today on the show, we have Dylan, Ma- uh, Dylan Martin, a.k.a. Royalston, who is a local drum and bass musician. He's ex-in-house designer and artist for Mambo, and he's currently working on his fourth album. Fourth album. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Already got three, and he's working on another one. And you know what Dylan also is? He's our first listener-suggested um, yes. interviewee. Interviewee? Is that interviewee. what we say? We say that. I don't know if it's a good word. I don't know. But thank you. Yeah. To, shout out to Alex, who hit me up on Instagram and yeah, said thanks, that Alex. she loved our podcast and then recommended you, Dylan. And thank you for to Alex. Yeah. Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. Hi. Welcome. Hello. Is this your first podcast? No, I've done a lot of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, oh pressure. We seem oh, really no. We're so unprofessional now. And I'm, like, I'm like, and I'll set up the mics and I'm like, he'll know what I'm doing. No one else knows what I'm doing. And I'm like, just turning the few dials. Like, oh, okay. How many, what other podcasts have you been uh, on? More like radio shows. So oh. maybe podcasts, maybe one or two, but they've all been like over the phone kind of interviews. Oh, really? Skype kind of things. So. I've tried that a couple of times. You, you miss that kind of, that visceral bit, like the yeah. conversational bit and you miss the wine bit and, you know, like sinking <laughs> beers together. Yeah, and the, you hear all the tinnies opening and, yeah. So uh, you're a drum and bass producer. Yeah. And I think drum and bass is, is one of those genres of music that isn't well understood, I think, especially in Australia. But right. I think if you spoke to anyone in the UK, they could name the top five drum and bass artists, which types of drum and bass they like, uh, and, and are quite particular about it. How, how did you get into it? What, how, what was your first drum and bass album? <laughs> that was like five questions. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, you're right. It, it, like these days, I think no one knows what it is in Australia, really. Yeah. Um, outside of the kind of drum and bass world. Um, I got into it in the sort of late 90s, mid 90s. When it was, I guess it was really cool then. It was it was up and coming, and yeah, it was kind of like because it definitely was popular in Australia in the sort of ni- late nineties, early two thousands. So I remember when I'd yeah. go to Big Day Out when I was a te- like a teenager, um, I used to love drum and bass, and I would go to the drum and bass tent and I would party. But I couldn't remember any of the people that do drum and bass, and I, I haven't really heard much about drum and bass since then. Yeah, it, it, like it in Australia. It stuck around until I reckon about 2004 and yeah. then Dubstep came along mm. oh. and Dubstep was huge with yeah. the same people that would have been into drum and bass. 
but it never really went away. It just wasn't sort of in the, you know, in the in the forefront. Mainstream. And overseas, like in Europe and the UK, um, it's never gone anywhere. It's yeah. bigger than ever, like um, much bigger. It's actually like huge over there. Exactly. And, and for me, like my, my favorite, favorite drummer, Bazak, besides, you know, Australia's own Pendulum, mm. uh, who I, I really – because I think the reason that they were so good at it, and I think they're the ones that say this, that they were terrible at heavy metal – but brilliant at drum and bass yeah. because the two genres have so much crossover together between tension and release, the time signatures, but really just that intensity. Yeah, the intensity. And then sure. on the other side, so obviously big Pendulum fan, I think they do a lot of great stuff, but then um, Shapeshifter from uh, oh, New yeah. Zealand. That's who I used yeah. to love, Shapeshifter. I think we've seen them together. I or think we did at that <laughs> festival yeah. where we dressed with pirates. Yes. Yes, we saw Shapeshifter together. Yeah. yeah there we go. Right. They're yeah. still good. They're, yeah. Actually, they played last weekend. Here. Are you serious? I think so. Yeah, or, oh, or they're family. playing this weekend. Oh, oh my god, so, I need to look this up right yeah. now. Hang on, behind the curtain, shapeshifter. I oh, know. I think it's this weekend. Oh my god! <laughs> it's good timing. Sunday twenty. Oh wait, that's New Zealand. Saturday twenty seventh. It is Manning Bar. Saturday twenty. But well, I don't think oh. people are going to get that because this won't be live by then. So can you? Oh cut, no! Cut yeah, I was going to cut all that out. Oh. <laughs> Great. Concentrate. Back Concentrate. To the anyway. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Anyway. Uh, so, so in your mind, talk talk us through kind of what are the major genres in drum and bass, uh, and and which ones are kind of your your favorite of? Um, I would like the subgenre kind yeah. of breakup. Um, we got you just your standard drum and bass, I guess. Yep. <laughs> um, original recipe drum and bass. <laughs> yeah. Original recipe drum and bass. Then, um, so I'm signed to a label called Med School, which yeah. is sort of into it's part of Hospital Records. Yep. And Hospital Records is well known for kind of. Kind of fun drum and bass, like you know, some of it's it's very positive, some of it's happy, some of it's 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 kind of it's very popular, I guess, especially in the UK. Uh, it's not dark, um, but then med school is sort of about an experimental side of that. So you've got kind of ambient stuff. You've got some guys that do kind of classical music mixed with drum and bass. Um, you got your like really uh, minimal kind of deep stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's so many little yeah. subgenres, but really, kind of that London electricity, kind of like fun drum and bass kind of pop. That's because that's hospital as well. That's right? hospital. He's yeah. he's my boss. Really? Yeah. So he's the because London electricity the is hospital records, right? He he formed it with yeah. one other guy or two other guys, and they still manage the label and mm-hmm. um, they still DJ and and then Med School is sort of. Um, London Electricity's little baby. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, again, it, just, just to, to remind myself, yeah, uh, Netsky, uh, Camo and Crooked, and Newtone, uh, the, the ones that I've seen make it really big here, but they all yep. are all within that genre of it's fun drum and bass, it's your party drum and bass, it's almost your mainstream drum and bass. Definitely. And then you've also got this. You've got a kind of. It's not new, but there's another style called jump up, which is really pop, like it's it's. It's kind of on the rise in the UK and it's really, really popular. Mm. Like there's giant raves going on with this stuff and I'm not really into it. And <laughs> if you ask a lot of, a lot of drum, drum and bass kind of fans, they're sort of half-half. How would you uh, describe I'll cut in a clip actually here, but how would you describe God, it? Some of it? Some of it's amazingly good. It's very, like it's full of energy even for drum and bass. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's a lot of energy. Some of it is absolutely terrible like the worst form of music you've ever heard in your life and it's usually the bad stuff that gets really popular well, yeah you know what, what's cut a, sta- in a clip yeah yeah <laughs> I'll, I'll put in a clip and get some responses. i'm not gonna sing it but yeah <laughs> 
How would you describe your style, Dylan? Um, yeah, that's really hard. Uh, it's, it's a bit of everything. I try and take lots of influences from outside drum and bass. Oh, yeah? A bit of classical music. A um, bit of... Uh, I like techno, so a bit of a techno kind yeah, of aesthetic. Yeah, definitely heard a bit of that in there. Um, and yeah, and just a bit of just whatever. Like I try and I just try and get everything in there that's that I haven't heard in drum and bass, I guess. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. And and so for you, like, how did you start producing? Because I, you know, I think producing. You know, if you go back to the early '90s when drum and bass was really starting to emerge, producing then to producing now would have been miles apart like just yeah. basic computer powering <laughs> yeah. getting access to sound banks like it, it's it's a different world and just the knowledge as well i think that was the the really hard thing like what about 2004 2005 you have youtube yeah. kind of come online and all of a sudden everyone has all this information being shared whereas like when i started in about 98 i'd go and buy these magazines from the news agents Really? That, and they didn't know anything either. They were <laughs> kind of spreading lies about the techniques of how to make this music. And no one really knew except the guys that were making it in the UK. And so there was all this kind of um, hidden knowledge and um, you had to figure it out for yourself. And now you can go on YouTube and get a tutorial on, you know, how to make a song like NetSky. And you'll be making one in you know a couple of hours easily. And what what uh, what production software do you use? Um, Ableton. Yep. Yeah. Did you design the dog that farts musical notes? <laughs> so, really important question. No, I wish I did, but no, no, no. Who designed that at Mambo? Someone much better than me. That's Richard <laughs> Allen, who's a, like design wise a genius. And yeah. If you don't know his stuff, he's like. Just he is, I think people would know it if they saw it and just never know it was him. Like you know. they'd know the fighting dog, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For sure. The fighting That's, dog. I remember that was on like every t-shirt every from like 1994 onwards. Yeah. And instead of Hawaiian shirts, people had Mambo style shirts yeah. like that with the fighting dog. Yep, definitely. So what 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 influenced you first from a, a music point of view, and and how do you kind of how do you balance that with your design? Because you're a designer by trade, essentially. Yeah. Uh, with an enormous musical career at the same time. But how do those two things mix for you? Um, well, I definitely prefer doing music. I, it's, oh, really? It definitely takes more of my my time mm. but only produces a very small amount of money. So it's like it's <laughs> kind of a, a tough thing. Um, I do design when I have to basically and um, I do some jobs, you know, some design jobs are awesome but then some are very boring. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, I, I'll focus on the good ones if I've got the time and and then every waking moment in between is you know music really basically. yeah and what what yeah. do you design like, like what sort of stuff yeah um i do everything i do animation i do websites um a lot of illustration that's sort of my background illustration um yeah you know just everything that's that's requires a visual kind of uh a look yeah, and, and what was that journey like for you? Like, I think when we speak to a lot of creative people, the most interesting thing is that some of the, sometimes it's just always been a part of them, and they can't imagine doing something else. And okay. then I, I think some of them came into it later in their life. What's kind of yeah. your journey been? Um, I always thought I'd be doing design or like art, some kind of thing like that, when I was younger. Um, and then when I kind of got Although I'd, I'd done some music when I was a kid, like I said, um, when I got that kind of thing, like it was quite overwhelming. I just had to do it. Really? Um, mm. Yeah. You know, I had a great job at Mambo. I was, I had like a dream job basically, yeah. um, straight out of uni. 
and I did that for about 10 years. And, um, but I was like everyone that was at Mambo with me would know that I was obsessed with music and I kind of really wanted to be doing that. So I had to go back and, um, study music and learn more about it. So I studied music theory and learned piano and tried to get better at what I wanted to do. Because, yeah, and it's interesting. Like, and again, naively, when because I was reading about that, you were you were classically trained at the same time. And I, I guess my first question was, um, why it's drum and bass? But talk us through that. Like, why is it so important to to for the, the music theory to come through your work essentially when it is all, you know, digital? Um. So I guess I didn't have I didn't get signed for like I didn't get a tune released for. I think until nine or ten years after I started wow. producing, so there's a, like a long journey there of you like a, a lot of self doubt and you know what do I do to make myself better? And at some point, I kind of realised you know you can get good at the production, you can make everything shiny and sound mm. nice, but um, if there's no music behind it, if there's yeah. no kind of soul or um, the music theory, uh, you can't make a. I don't think you can make a good tune really, except by by luck. And do you think that's a big mistake that most younger producers are doing? Definitely. I think you can make stuff sound sound good quickly now. Mm. Um, you know, you can get a sample pack and chuck it all together. But if you know why it all works, then when you get stuck, when you get like, you know, up, yeah, just basically when you get stuck, you can, you can look and you can go, oh, you know, I've done this wrong or I can use this technique that some other guy used in the past. And yeah, it's all music. So it yeah. all uses the, the, like the same theory. I think Dylan embodies creativity <laughs> through, through. So many people would kill to have just one of your talents. Yeah. The fact that you are an artist and a musician and then you've been able to combine both of them is, is quite rare. Yeah, it's been Thank it's you, taken Alex. a while. Thanks again. Thanks. <laughs> what does create? It's a very broad question, but what does creativity mean to you? Um. Oh. That is a tough one. <laughs> it's just what I do. Like that's just uh, I don't know. Um, I, I like making stuff and yeah, I, I've making and creating stuff. Yeah, yeah I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Very, good. Yeah. very good. I've all, we've had this come up a couple of times um, throughout different episodes of like where creativity comes from. A lot of do you think that you're born creative or you're nurtured to be creative? Yeah, I'm. It's definitely a mindset. You sound um, like you were born creative. You know, you're really into maybe. art when you were young. Is that something yeah. your parents helped foster or teachers or definitely. did you think you had it? My dad definitely encouraged it. Um, like he he loves to paint and um, paints lots of really weird paintings. And I remember <laughs> like <laughs> when I was 15 he took me to life drawing which I, and I was just like, whoa. <laughs> okay. Um, I think you've misread the situation, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> but I really, like, I love life. I loved it. I loved life yeah. drawing at 15. What would it Yeah, and, I, like, I, I'm sure I was the youngest person there. <laughs> but, like, I love life drawing. I love drawing people. And that's even when kind of music has taken over, I've always, like, I, I, I love to actually draw portraits and stuff like that. That's kind of stuck with me. And, um, and I guess that helps just, like, um, get you in that creative mindset. You know, you, you can – sometimes you don't have it and sometimes you do. Like yeah. some days, you know, you're just not you, – your brain's not in that, that mindset that can create something, I think. But, 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm making any point here. No, I, I, I think I think it's a. What do you think, Jai? Do you think we're all born with the same creative ability, and it's how it's nurtured, or do you think? Because you definitely had your creativity nurtured. Your father took you to life drawing, um, but then at the same time, you really liked it. Whereas yeah. another kid might have said, "Oh, Dad, I just want to play footy. I don't want to do this." So. I don't know. And I'd love the listeners to share their opinion on that. Do you think that we're born creativity or creative or do you think it comes down to nurturing that I, creativity? I, 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 sorry to interrupt. I actually, like, have, now that you've repeated the question, I'm like... <laughs> I have an answer. I, I do have an answer. I think, and I'm going to forget it as well. Um, <laughs> and I think I have. Um, <laughs> no more beers for Dylan, please. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah Uh, are we born create i I think you can encourage it and i think definitely if you're good at something you want to you know you want to pursue it like i was good at i was good at art so it was easy and it was fun and but i wasn't i was never particularly good at music and that it just comes down to wanting to do it so studying music theory was because it was so frustrating to make all this shit music that i wanted to learn how to make it better and i think the more the, the more you learn about it and the better you get, the more fun it gets, the easier it gets. And then you can actually be creative. Well, it's, it's, uh, God, what's the word? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, self-powered. It's self-editing. It is, it's self-reinforcing. Self-editing. Yes. You're like, like if you do something good and you feel good about it, even if it's a pursuit, you know, it's not as good as it can be. But all those little steps along the way, reinforce, self-reinforcing. God, where are my words today? <laughs> it's self-reinforcing in the sense of I achieve something, so I want to do it again. But yeah. specifically to your question, I think I think biologically we are designed to be creative as kids anyway because it's the only way, way you learn how to uh, read, write, and, and um, speak. So you have to. You try and interpret and create things because you want something done. Mm-hmm. So creativity in one way is a means to an end. And then I think what happens when you hit that 7 to 10 mark, it's kind of like, well, how do you respond to social interactions or interactions about yourself? So if you if you want to play footy and you enjoy that, it's probably because you actually enjoy physical activity, playing in a team sport. Yeah. And I think, and look, it's an enormous generalisation. If you can sit in a room for three days producing music and you never really have to talk to anyone about it, like music is an incredibly introverted thing sometimes. Like oh, definitely. It, it's an introvert. It's a process of going inside you. It's a self-reflective process. It's a very personal process. And if you don't like that, and if you can't, if you can't enjoy that time by yourself, I don't think you're ever going to want to create anything. Mm. Whereas, e- even for you and me, like we are quite extroverted. But when we do something, and I know when I, you know, whether I'm producing a track or even when I'm trying to you know, write a song, like whether it's for that, I have to go by myself before I can show it to anyone. I wouldn't sit in a room and try and make music with other people. You yeah. can have a jam session, but that is a very different thing than writing, writing a piece of music, I think. Do you make music? Yeah. All right. So I played in heavy metal bands since I was about 13. Okay. And then I started DJing at um, 23. And, and actually before I was DJing, I was starting to produce, you know, um, re- really, honestly, it just came out of GarageBand once and I was just sitting yeah, yeah. there and I'm like, oh, I think I'm going to go buy a MIDI keyboard. <laughs> Started doing that. And actually, I found the other day I hadn't removed all my tracks from SoundCloud, so I've got to go back there immediately. But <laughs> it, it was much more ambient kind of lo-fi stuff. So cool. It was, yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. 
every time I had a crack at drum and bass or anything harder, anything, even anything over 90 beats a minute, I was just like, no, I can't. <laughs> I couldn't get into I didn't want to make music that quick. And if I did, it was just to mix and loop through something like Tractor or something through okay. something yeah. like that where I can just crush MP3 tracks rather than having to worry <laughs> about fucking CDJs. And I'm like, I'm so I'm so rubbish at all that side of things. Okay. Like, I couldn't organize my music. And, you know, I'm like, oh, which key is all this shit in? So, I was, you know, once Tractor came out and uh, using things like mixed in key, I was a, it was a lot simpler for me to push it all through. Because oh, that's great. I was a yeah. lazy DJ. Yeah. But I just enjoyed the fact that I could make people dance at a party. Yeah. And all I wanted to play was breaks, tech house and, and dubstep and glitch hop. So just all genres that were all big and heavy yep. because at the end of the day, I only stopped playing in heavy metal bands because we all grew up one day. <laughs> so you just said that the reason why you wanted to produce music was to make people dance at a party. Reason I DJed, not the reason I made music. DJed, yeah. What drives you to create music? Uh, same thing sometimes. Um, sometimes <laughs> I'm just thinking about like – you know, if I've got a gig coming up, having something that I like, I always have someone in mind. I guess it's, yeah. it's a random person. I'm like, they're gonna like this song. What do Even they look like? Just, <laughs> oh, it'll, it'll be someone, someone that was probably at my last gig. Okay. You know, someone that you remember from a gig in the past, and so cool. you're like, yes, I think they'll definitely like this. These other guys will hate it, but that's fine. Yeah. But yeah. It, it, it is funny. Like I always think, how close making, especially DJing, how close that is to advertising sometimes. Yeah, you, you pick your audience, and you can't be all things to all people, and you just go for it. You have to design the music for that moment, for that audience, for that setting. And if you get it wrong, it's just like getting something wrong in an advertising. Know your audience, know your message, and know your medium. Yeah, and I think it's exactly the same thing. Yeah, right. Surely a lot of it comes down to you though, and what you want to produce. Oh, there's always that too. Yeah, yeah. there's like what I think is, I, I guess when I'm making music, I want to make something. My my uh, thought process is. is is kind of trying to make something that I haven't heard yet. Um, mm. I think that's something that disappoints me a bit about electronic music at the moment. It's been slightly forgotten that I guess when I got into music, drum and bass was the, it was kind of really futuristic. You were like, mm. wow, I've never heard this before. And people were really striving, you know, Pendulum, they were trying to make sounds that no one had ever heard. And I think a lot of musicians have been trying to do that throughout history. But... There is a, a bit of a trend at the moment just to making music is enough, getting another track out or getting heaps of tracks out, swamping the market with your name and um, and not worrying about like kind of, I don't know, trying to do something different. Yeah, and I think more broadly across music genres, that that's what's happening. So yeah. like, you know, when in the mainstream scene, when The weekend became big, suddenly yeah. everyone was doing like this dark ambient R&B. Yeah, like yeah. At, the, at the next turn, <laughs> you yeah, know, it, yeah. it, was, it was incredible where, and obviously I'll always speak to heavy metal because I'm a huge fan, but if you look back to Ozzy Osbourne, it is largely regarded as the godfather of heavy metal. It was like, let's make a sound no one else has heard. Yeah, And yeah. I think that was a little different than your Van Halen who's trying to chase that brown sound, which was in him was that elusive sound he could never find, but it was okay. that pursuit of perfection. Yeah, and then, yeah. like in the '90s, you know, as much as people have mixed opinion, you know, no one did what Corn were doing. They right. literally tried to set their guitars up to sound different. You look at Limp Bizkit, who I'm still a huge fan of, <laughs> and I know gets very mixed reviews. No one had just gone, "Hey, how about a rap and heavy metal? Let's just see what happens." And yeah. it, it was so. I, I think a lot of that experimentation is gone. 
Yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of that experimentation isn't welcomed in the Australian music scene. Like, oh, not at all. You go no. th- the the radio in Australia is sadder than the TV, and I think it's been sadder th- than the TV for a long time because it's just shitty music and re- repeated music, and like I, I can't stand listening to the radio here anymore. It's, yeah, <laughs> um, that's my dire opinion on everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is looking at me like, oh, I'm very lucky. Like I'm on a label where. Um, the, the you know the guy in charge of the label, his whole ethos is to make new music, and he only wants people on there that are trying to do something different. And I think all the people on there, um, they've all got their own sound, and maybe people copy them, but they're really like. Sometimes I hear stuff, and I'm like, oh god, that's cool, and I want to rip that off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you kind of do your best work? Like, what what kind of environment do you need? Um, just a studio. I just moved studios recently. Um, I'm now in my parents' old garage that's been converted to a studio. Oh. I had a proper, well, an external studio space and I guess they got sick of the noise and they, I was there for 10 years and then they kicked us out. And that 10 was a bit, years and they kicked you out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a horrible story. Oh. They just, yeah, kicked us out last Christmas and, um, so, well, now I'm in this kind of cool cool place i mean it's it's smaller but i can you know i can attach stuff to the walls and i can do what i want to it basically and so yeah i make music in there or just at home in headphones laptop yeah yeah, yeah. and when you say we who, who else is in the studio with you? oh actually it's just me it's <laughs> <laughs> me and all my synthesizers Dylan, <laughs> you mentioned it took i think was it nine years to get signed with the label was that something that did you get into this because you ultimately did want to get signed to a label and make a career out of it? Yeah, I did. I like I wanted to get the music out there. I had mm. this kind of goal. Like, I guess you want to get your music released. You want yeah. someone to hear your music. Yeah. yeah. And it just it took a hell of a long time. And and in in a weird way, I'm kind of like I'm slightly grateful for that because yeah. I had a long time to make well, my own kind of style of music and mm. and um. Like once you are released, then you've got all this, then the, the, it, it changes. Like there's pressure and there's, you know, I want to do something as good as my last release. Whereas when you're off in your own world, you can just be creative and make the weirdest shit ever. Yeah. And Were you faced with much rejection over that nine yeah. years? Yeah, heaps. And how Ma- did you come back from that? Cause yeah, that's yeah, something, really, yeah, yeah, a lot of people will, in, in the creative space, uh, creativity can be very, it, it is very subjective yeah. to judge that essentially. Yeah. Um, How did you handle that? Like a lot of the rejection, I guess, in music is just not hearing back. Mm. And I hate, like, um, I mix a lot of people's tunes. For, for I mix other people, uh, kind of up-and-coming producers, new producers, and they never hear anything back from labels. They send out their tunes saying, do you like it? They never get any response. Um, so in nine years you get a lot of that, a lot of silence. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, and it's, um, I think... Before I got my first tune signed, I'd literally—I think I'd given up on the kind of idea of being a musician. I remember it might have even been—I'm pretty sure it was something like this—but it was like a week before. Mm. I was just like, "That's enough!" Like I've just taken enough really? rejection, and I was like, "That's it. I'm not—I'm not, just—I'll make music, but I'm—you know—I'll do something else. Um, it's never actually going to happen." 
Fuck. And then a week later, I got an email, like a random email from hospitals saying, we want to sign your tune. Oh, Which is God. like a dream fucking Yeah, like you don't, get, you don't get better. And that tune was sent off a year before. So wow. No way. Yeah, Are you yeah. fucking serious? Yeah, it was weird. Really weird. Um, and it was the, the timing was about a week, if I remember right. That's crazy. Yeah. So with that, what feedback would you give to other yeah. budding young musicians who are probably facing very similar rejection? Nine years is a very long time to keep coming back at it. I'm just keep keep trying and, and like I think that time is actually a good thing because I had time to go and study, mm. and, you know, like I said, I studied classical music and I learned a lot of stuff and yeah. then I was more ready by the time I actually got signed. I think my stuff had developed to a point where I could release it and, you know, there's a reason why it took so long. Um, and it probably won't take people that long in this day and age because <laughs> they've got YouTube. YouTube. <laughs> yeah. So talk us through um, kind of where, 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 what's your opinion on the Australian music scene? Uh, what's been changing and, and where do you see it heading? Um, well, I can only speak for Sydney, but, you know, the lockout laws have really hurt everyone here i think in all the types of music you know live music um i know a lot of people that do different you know not not just drum and bass people and i just think there's less venues and less there's less stuff happening so less opportunities it's all just a big trickle down effect and you know less gigs i can see in the last year i've played less gigs because there's less on um and i like i've played a lot more outside sydney than i have in sydney which is weird Mm. for me yeah. Seeing as I live here, yeah. And is the scene moving or is it just evaporating? Because like, I hear a lot of things, like, you know, obviously the inner west is now getting a lot of attention from a bar and food scene in particular. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know if the, you know, and again, I'm, I haven't been back long, but I don't know if the, the dance scene is picking up outside. Like, it, uh, You know, one thing that, that popped up a few years ago, and it, I'm sure it has never disappeared completely, so I don't want to say that it, it did, but... On my radar, like there's heaps more bush parties. Yeah, oh, bush, I love bush, <laughs> bush There's so many bush dubs. And you know, I used to go to Dubs in 2000 or yeah. like 1999. Awesome. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm, now I'm, I'm not probably not the oldest person at the Dwarf, but there's, there's these. There's always someone older than you at <laughs> There really are at that <laughs> You're like, once I get to that age, I'll stop coming. You remember when you're 21, you're like, once I'm 30, I'm never going to Dwarf again. You're 35 with a cigarette, like, yeah, I still belong here. <laughs> they're actually amazing. Like the, the culture around them is um, that they're, they're huge. Yeah. Like, there's one out near Canberra in a, about, oh, I think it's a couple of weeks or a month. So it'll be in time for this podcast. And I'm not playing at it, but I've played at it several times. And it's What's it called? It's called Dragon Dreaming. Oh, yeah. I have and seen it, that one. Out. God, it's amazing. Like I had never seen a party that big. It's, mm. it's enormous and they, they put so much effort into the, the stages and stuff. It, it puts a lot of stuff in Sydney to shame. Yeah. Like the commitment to sound quality in Sydney has always been pretty good. Like, you know, Function One speakers became like the default everywhere. And like, it's like, you're not a real venue until you have some Function One. And now they're a bit passe. But it, well, now we have noise laws. Yeah. So the sound yeah. in Sydney is like. I didn't even think about that. I get. I actually, I played in. Um, this is a while back, but I'd been playing in Sydney quite a bit. And then I played in Launceston. And they don't have any 
there's no noise restrictions. <laughs> and I was so scared. I was scared to press play because it was so loud. I'm wearing earplugs and everything. I was, I, it was terrifying. I'm like, how loud is this song going to be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I read about you, actually, um, you're nervous to play. Oh, yeah. Where did you read that? <laughs> um, I definitely am, though. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, you said it. Don't worry. Someone, someone hasn't written. We've seen rules that he's so fucking nervous when he's up there. Sometimes. Like, sometimes I'm, you know, it could be like a huge crowd and I'm completely relaxed and it's awesome. And then sometimes there'll be five people and I'll just be like, oh, it's like, am I going to press the wrong button? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I'm just really afraid of, like, turning off the track that's playing. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. you know, if you, you DJ, you know, that's yeah. like, it's, it's so easy to do, and no one's invented the technology of like the red flashing light to say, "Don't turn that one off." Don't. Yeah, like yeah. just th- this is on air right now, <laughs> yeah. and when they do, like it's on the tractor um, S4s. It's here. It's 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 so oh, small, okay. and yeah. no one can see what I'm doing. <laughs> but it's a centimeter and a half long, about th- you know, <laughs> six mil high. So. Because for me, like, what's your advice there? Because even for me, if I've ever done a gig, I mean, my hands are shaking yeah, yeah, before I get too. to the yeah. fucking thing, and I'm like, it's and, and it is. I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn it off. <laughs> I'm gonna fucking push pause on the wrong fucking deck, and it's gonna turn off. How did you overcome that? Because I still can't do it to this day. If we, do, if even when I used to play heavy metal. I was in such a state before I'd get up there that it would take me three quarters of the set to get over yeah. that I could actually hold my guitar properly <laughs> or sing without my, my jaw shaking. And then you get the you get to enjoy the last 15 minutes. Yeah, and you're like – and then you come off stage and you're so flushed with the door. It's like, why was I this relaxed up there? Yeah. Um, I don't I – don't, I think practice, obviously. That's – you know, so your brain can just kick into – it's kind of like you've done this before, muscle memory. Yep. Um, except with DJing, every single time I get on the deck, someone, some new CDJ has been invented. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Move the button. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, being prepared. And also I think with DJing, like I used to make a set and stick to it and now I try and make a set that I'd like to play and then be very, very flexible and just if everyone's walking away and ignoring me, then change it and – you know, that it probably seems obvious to a lot of people, but I'm sure that doesn't happen often where people just start walking away from your performance. It depends, it can happen <laughs> because that's a funny thing. Because, do you and maybe, maybe this is interesting for listeners when you DJ, all you're doing is looking at the crowd and making sure that the, the mood you're setting them on is the right one, and you just look for people dancing or not dancing because you can see it when you get into that next track. It's not that they'll just walk away, but their whole energy level will change. So you've got to work out which other songs to put on, but it's not just picking the songs. You've got to make sure they're in the right key, they're in the right tempo, that you don't change the genre too much. And so there's a difference between DJs. You can see ones who are just staring at the audience the whole time have a much better idea than the guys who are just sitting there not looking at anything because it's, it's, it's so responsive. You don't walk up there and play a set. It's like you walk up there, yeah, with, as you said, like a guideline set. And then actually start to work out what people are listening to, because you can see a floor clear, and it's it's embarrassing. And I've done it, <laughs> and like everyone, like everyone, like oh, I'll go get a drink now, and then everyone like kind of stops dancing and then wandering away, and then all of a sudden you're playing to three people Aww. who you probably know who are giving you these ones. That Again, happens. This doesn't work for what but um, yeah, like, try being a drum and bass DJ. Yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> ten times harder. 
And I, I've done it for so long that, like, I am well aware drum and bass can... <laughs> the problem is if you're given a gig to play to people that don't like drum and bass, then it's a real... And I get those gigs what every you, now and again. Yeah. Do you just switch genre or do they really want you to play drum and bass? Well, I'm, I'd like to play my music. So yeah. it's really weird to be up there. Like, as a DJ, I'm, I actually play heaps of my tracks. I'm not playing... Heaps of other people's. You know, like me hitting beat point every every month and then spending hundreds of dollars. Oh, on I do that too. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I try and mix them. You know, I, I try and put my own track in every few tracks. Yeah. Um, so I do kind of have to stick to drum and bass. And you know, like, I, I played in I played in India. I did a little tour of India, and one city loved drum and bass. They just loved it. They just went crazy. So I thought. Go or um, Mumbai. Oh, really? Really good. Big, big drum and bass. Uh. They, yeah, they love it. They're awesome. They just, they love their all their music, and they were really open to everything. Yep. And then I played the next gig in um, Bangalore. Yep. And I could just see it was like even from the club when I walked in, I'm like, this is not the place for drum and bass. <laughs> it was. Like I needed house music or yes, or, this is a lounge bar, and yeah. you because oh, you're no. playing in Shenzhen next week. Um, in yeah, in about a month, yeah, yeah. Because that's in, so. I just moved back from Hong Kong. Okay. Uh, so I spent a little bit of time in Shenzhen. Like when I read that, I literally thought, "Who the fuck is listening to drum and bass in Shenzhen? Like, <laughs> how did the gig come up? Like, and, and how does that process work? Like, how do you get to gigs?" Um, I just did a remix for a, a Chinese label, who's which is run by an Australian guy. Um, they're called Unchained Asia, and um, so it was an. Australian guy yeah uh, releasing an EP and I um, I did a remix for one of them another med school artist did another remix and yeah and then he's just getting us out to kind of I guess tour the EP and just do a little gig and that's great yeah, yeah. Like you'll have so, such so a good time like it's be such cool. a unique yeah. market are you gonna get down to Hong Kong are you flying through there I'm flying through Hong Kong yeah I'm there for a few days so it should oh, be oh okay well yeah. you need Names of clubs and okay. I've, a gig. I kind of, aside from the gig, I probably don't want to go to a club. So. Uh, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know, actually. <laughs> Hong Kong is insane. You'll, okay. You might never leave. I know you didn't. <laughs> and what do you get up into your personal life? I mean, it sounds like you're so busy with creating music and your design work. Um, you got I've got a little, a, no, I've got a little baby. He's not that little. Okay, he's yeah. two years old. He's, yep. Well, he'll be two in December. Um, so that is just, that keeps me really busy. Yep. Yeah. Um, so like, I, I guess before I used to be like, you know, 95, 98% music, uh-huh. but now I have to do a lot more. Uh, <laughs> now I'm at least 90. <laughs> now, like, now it's 90. No, no, yeah. You know, I got to look after him. So, um, um, yeah. Is he into drum and bass? Does he like what dad does? Uh, he listens. I force him <laughs> to listen to it in the car. He kind of, he likes to dance. Yeah. Yep. And he's got like. The world's biggest collection of synthesizers to play with. Yep. Uh, just teaching him now not to walk on them because he likes to jump on them. <laughs> oh and, my god! Um, but you know, half of them look like toys nowadays. So yeah. they've got all these like glowing LEDs, and um, they're really they're really fun for a kid to play on. So you know. So has he has he watched Baby Shark? Are you aware of that? Video? Uh, I'm aware of Baby, Baby Shark. Shark? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Alex has shown it to him. I would haven't you, shown it. Would you mind doing a drum and bass remix for us of Baby Shark? <laughs> what I, is Baby Shark? I'll put another click in. So Baby okay. Shark is a, it's a Filipino. It's a Filipino. So basically there's, I think it's a family and they wrote this little nursery rhyme for YouTube and it's gone insane. <laughs> okay. And it's these kids talking about a baby shark, a mummy shark. 
and then daddy shark <laughs> and then grandma shark and grandpa shark and they have this whole dance and kids go met- mental everywhere. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's my insight into two-year-olds at the moment. Have you got any plans on how you're going to foster creativity for uh, your child? I, I don't want to push it on him, you know. I, like I tried that with my my younger brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a younger brother. Well, he's, he's 14 years younger than me. He's oh. not that young anymore, but um, I definitely was like, you've got to listen to this, this CD and this and – and it failed abysmal, abysmally, and um, although he turned out quite all right, um, <laughs> I didn't turn him into a musician or anything. So you know, he's like, I think Clancy, my son, will do whatever he wants to do, and I'll encourage whatever he's into. I guess. Amazing. Thank yeah. you very much, man. That's incredible. Yeah, cool. thank you. And uh, as always, thanks for listening. If you guys like today's episode, um, why don't you share it with a friend? If you've got a recommendation for yeah. someone else that we should be yeah. interviewing, uh, let us know. Hit us up. If people want to follow your work, have you got? A, is there a website or Instagram or anything we should be following you on, um, Dylan? Yeah, Facebook, Royalston Music. Yep. And um, SoundCloud, just Royalston. Um, yeah, there's – yeah, just – Google Ralston. It should come up. Yep, it definitely came up. (laughs) Brilliant. Okay, wonderful. That's it. Thank you. Till next week. Bye, Bye, guys. guys.